0: Where are we? This is a weird corner of the internet. It's a weird looking tavern we found ourselves in.
1: Yeah, I tried to go find the best food that they had, and all they had was bread and cheese, and it was super awkward. <laughs> oh, man. Rip. What's going on here, Brian? This is our new show. woo
0: woo <laughs> <laughs> Editor, uh, throw in some fanfare there, please.
1: Okay. <laughs> For folks... That don't listen to our other show. We we do another little thing in another corner of the internet, but we're here right now. This is where we are.
0: Right here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah.
1: We tried talking about some of this stuff on the other show that we want to talk that we'll eventually talk about on this show. And uh, some folks were just not cool enough for it.
0: They weren't buying in, man.
1: That's all right. What uh, our solution to that was, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about it more, and we're just going to go talk about it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, that'll show them. I I like to kind of think of it as the 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 the, the closet that both you and I just get to go hi, hide all of our nerdy stuff in, and just go talk about all of our nerdy stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. with absolutely no shame. Pretty much, yeah. What uh, yeah. what are we going to be talking about on this podcast, Brian?
0: All the things. All the things that. Uh our other friends don't want to talk to us about it anymore. We got the Durgins and Durgens. We got this is this is basically our one hobby to rule all of our other hobbies. The one ring yes. to rule them all. The one hobby to encompass all of the hobbies. So we got tabletop games, we've got video games, books, shows, movies, all the fun stuff. All the uplifting crap is over at the other show.
1: Yeah, none of that here. This will not be an uplifting show. Nope, nope. You listen to this and then you have, after this, then you have to go get uplifted at the other one. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, no, we have the, uh, we do have the one uplifting thing that we will talk about, but that's, that's a ways Uh, away.
1: Well, okay. I sit in anticipation as well. I, uh, Brian, this is going to be, this is going to be like 90% Dungeons and Dragons. Is that uh is that right?
0: Probably, yeah.
1: We're just going to put that full disclosure the name of the show that is well it can be a lot of things, but it was uh from for our purposes it was pulled from D&D. And uh when we post this, uh, we're not going to have a logo yet, but I promise you the logo's going to be Oh, boy.
0: Uh I I haven't seen anything since the uh the rough sketch, but uh, yeah. I
1: am we're excited
0: up pumped for this logo so so pumped
1: if anybody looks at the generic podbean logo <laughs> and they're like yeah, I'm all about that then prepare to be disappointed because we're gonna change it.
0: <laughs> also you should reevaluate so, your life because shame on you
1: because shame on <laughs> you I just found out I can rotate another part of my of my mic arm wow. that that makes it much less uh, intrusive to my monitor. Wow wow. This is where you insert the meme of like the rainbow, and it's like, the more you know. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched that breakthrough happen right on your face. That was,
0: that was yeah, glorious. Exactly. That takes me back. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. I was like,
1: oh, something else turns. It was so good. It was quite wholesome. I've only had this thing for two years now. I know what I'm doing. We're uh, consummate professionals, you and I. Yes, we are. I mean, based on volume, Yes. Yes, based on based on quality, I refer you back to the volume. Well, yes, see Exhibit A. All right, let's let's jump into it. We're I mean we're gonna some of that other stuff is gonna come up throughout the year, but I mean D and D that's that's gonna be our Mm -hmm. bread and butter Mm -hmm. on this show. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Most episodes are just gonna be diving into stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, we're gonna get to talk about all the new books. Um, any other books? books that. Some old books, some new books, and uh, events, conventions, d d related news. Critical Role is going to be, th- this, that is our show of, of flavor, and so that, that'll be the show that we break down a lot on here. News, I think on news, I think the, I think the guy that, uh, I'm going to get all the parent companies mixed up, but I think Uh-oh. the guy that used to be the CEO of Wizards of the Coast just moved up. And became the president of Hasbro. Whoa.
0: That's yeah. a big jump, man. I didn't know Hasbro owned Wizards.
1: Hmm. Oh, yeah. The rainbow. Yeah, Hasbro. The more you know. Yeah, Hasbro <laughs> is a thick boy. That, yeah. Yeah. You want to know another piece of news that, that I don't know if you'll care about it or not. Because I don't know if it influences your circle of games. Probably doesn't. Um, My circle of games is tiny. So Activision Blizzard. Are you aware of them?
0: Okay, I'm aware of the
1: the scandals, but uh, that's about it.
0: Oh yeah, okay. I know that they do Diablo and Overwatch.
1: Yeah, so so the the Blizzard portion of that company. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I didn't even know that Activision and Blizzard had even merged in the past because they were big companies themselves.
0: Oh yeah, I didn't. I I didn't know that either.
1: Yeah, so Blizzard uh, has Overwatch, uh, Hearthstone. World of Warcraft, Starcraft, those those big, big, uh, a couple other, uh, those are the biggest ones, but some, some MMOs some in there.
0: Yeah. Some fat
1: MMOs. Yeah. They have, Um, I can't remember what it's, uh, what it's called, but they do have like a League of Legends-esque or Heroes of the Storm. Mm-hmm. They had Heroes of the Storm and they just, they like gave up on it last year, oh, but no. that's another, that's another story <laughs> for another day. Yeah. There's like a skeleton crew. It feels like like 10 people are working on the game just in their own office. Dang it. So that's, that's blizzard. And then Activision for the most part, they're known for call of duty.
0: Right. I did know that
1: they apparently merged. Didn't know this, uh, or I don't know what their full connection is, but they together, they just got purchased. Would you like to guess who purchased them?
0: Who purchased Activision and blizzard?
1: Is it a video game company? Sure. Who do you think is, who do you think is big enough to purchase, the owners of Call of Duty and World of Warcraft and Overwatch? I mean, Disney or Warner Brothers. Yeah, it would be, I mean, all of these options are terrifying, but Disney would be very terrifying. That'd be the worst, right? That'd be the yeah. worst. Microsoft bought them. Oh,
0: really? Hmm, how do you feel about that? I really, I kind of don't care, but how do you feel about that?
1: I think it's. I mean, I always think it's scary when one company ha- does, has more things. Mm-hmm. And so Microsoft, with their other recent purchases, Microsoft has all of their current stuff. Um, last year, they purchased Bethesda. So they now have the Elder Scrolls and, and Fallout and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. And now they have—they already had Halo. Halo was their thing. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, the two like shooters that were up against each other and then and then Halo kind of fell off during Halo 5 and it was really just Call of Duty and then other shooters. But right. Halo Infinite is really good. Mm-hmm. So now they have Halo and Call of Duty. Wow. And World of Warcraft. And oh, it's, it's weird. It's very weird to think about. Do you want to get... Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm sorry to put you... I'm sorry to... This is probably not... This is never fun when I'm on the receiving end. <laughs> Would you like to guess how much they were purchased for? Oh, boy. I will... Take a, I'll take a guess
0: I think Disney bought Star Wars For was like 12 or 14 billion Right? My way off there Sure I think that was which the, For which game again? So when Disney bought Star Wars I think it was like 12 or 14 billion It was the biggest Corporate purchase In history
1: Okay
0: I'm just gonna take a swing And say like 6.8 billion I don't know
1: Hang on Let me
0: No that's That seems really high I rescind rescind my answer. I'm going to go with like 2 billion. 2 billion?
1: Yes. Circa 2 billion. Take your 2 billion and multiply it by 34. Wait, wait, wait. Activision Blizzard got purchased for 69. Nice. 69 billion (laughs) (laughs) dollars. Yeah.
0: No way. Yeah.
1: Yep. Well, you got to remember, Star Wars is a... Star Wars is a trademark there's no but there's no people attached to star wars when when they these guys they purchased an entire they purchased an entire company including all of their assets all of their buildings all of the workforce already present all of the licenses uh trademarks attached to the company they they bought an entire sphere they bought they bought an entire corner of the internet wow 69
0: billion Mm mm-hmm Okay, I just looked it up while you were talking. Uh, I was way off. Disney paid like four point zero five billion for Star Wars. They paid, f- oh, gotcha. they paid around four billion for Marvel, but that's that's
1: like all of the dollars, Jordan. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. Also, some of the con- it, um, I think it's very entertaining. So I I follow a couple of YouTube channels that just they've been following it for a little bit. So Blizzard <laughs> has had all of their scandals and all of their issues that people rightfully, you know, have been frustrated about. Yes. And a lot of people have been uh, calling for the CEO's um, dismissal or early retirement. Right. And Microsoft, a couple months back, back in November, they said, because they have some of their stuff on their platforms that, you know, companies of that size, like Microsoft does games. And so there Mm -hmm. was some association between the two as far as, you know, platform and hosting. Right. So they said, we will be keeping a very close eye and monitoring our... A connection or our affiliation with with blizzard mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um i think linus Tech is just a youtube channel i thought it was a hilarious post but they took that screenshot and then right next to it they took the screenshot of microsoft purchases activision blizzard <laughs> and it's like um instructions followed with surgical precision yes <laughs> and then uh and then the ceo was was let go or mm-hmm. or stepped down after right after the purchase was made. So the CEO yeah. of 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 Activision Blizzard or or Blizzard stepped it down mm-hmm. after it. Wow. Yeah, I thought that uh, that post might be one of my favorite <laughs> posts of the last few months. I was just like, yeah, like he un- they understood the assignment. Closer, closer, yeah, closer. Yeah. Okay, we bought him. All right, we own you now. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fascinating. I'm interested to see. And I have been an Xbox person and I don't have an Xbox anymore because there's no point anymore if you have mm. a Windows computer. Yeah. To uh, to have an Xbox. Mhm. And so as a person that has a nice Windows computer, I'm very happy for this. Mm. Well, because it just gives me more good for you. Actually, you don't uh,
0: care. You know, I kind of care. I could potentially care. Uh, remember how I told you about oh, yeah? the, the microphone thing at, at work? Oh, yes, yes. Also, uh, before the microphone, uh, there was like a, f- a, a PC tower came in on the donation signer. So we took it into electronics. Yeah. It got processed this week. And the electronics department isn't my department, but I'm I'm very frequently around that department. So I get tapped for like prices on expensive things like... A custom built PC, yeah. Things like a custom built PC. Not this is the first PC that has like come in the first custom PC that's ever come in. Anyway, the the kid was showing me, hey, it's got this, it's got this processor, it's got this GPU, it's got a power unit. Like it's 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 far from like top of the line, but it's I mean it's got really nice parts in it. So I didn't look at any of the specs for it, but the the GeForce card in it uh, went for, I think it was a GeForce 750 with some letters. Okay. Uh, it was going, and I know, I know the market for these things was like way whack right now, right? It was going for like upwards of two hundred dollars for for just the uh, this graphics card,
1: I think. It was probably the seven fifty or seven sixty T I. That's probably what it yeah, was.
0: Yeah, it was seven fifty T I. Yep. Yeah. So and then he said there was a, a pretty nice CPU behind the fan, but he didn't want to strip the whole thing down to see what the CPU was. So if it's still there I might uh, I might pick that up too. Who knows? I get a discount.
1: Uh I I don't know if it's worth purchasing that one.
0: Even if I paid less than a hundred dollars for it.
1: If you pay less than $100 for the whole thing, then sure. Okay. Go to town. <laughs> the graphics card isn't... Uh, that graphics card should normally be very comfortably under $100. dollars mm. hmm And in a normal market, if you were taking your time, like, buying used parts and, and getting stuff on Craigslist mm-hmm. to eventually come to the same build that is probably in there, it probably... The whole build is probably only 150 bucks, anyways, if oh, really? somebody was patient to build it out. Hmm. To kind of give you the lineup of So like year after year there was the seven hundred series. And then I think they skipped the eight hundred. So seven hundred, uh nine hundred, the ten hundred series. One thousand. And then and then the like the ten um now I'm gonna get myself all mixed up. Uh oh. The ten fifty yeah the ten fifty TI is a thing, right? Ten GTX. You could say 10, any
0: numbers right now, and I would just have to
1: believe you. Okay, so the, the 700, 800, 900, and then like the, the 1050, 1060, and all that. Mm-hmm. And then it went up to like the 2050, 2060, 2070. Mm-hmm. And then the current generation is the thirty seventy, thirty eighty, thirty ninety, 3080, 3090, and all that. Mm-hmm and we're at the tail end of that. They are about to in the next couple of months they will be releasing the 4000 series. Oh so, wow. So it's a couple so it's a couple of years back, but but I mean yeah, I mean it'll be a good value anyways if you get the whole thing for 100 under 100 bucks.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, Hmm. priority is the microphone though.
1: Hmm. Yes, yes it is. I assure you that microphone is more important than that computer. Yeah. Yes. I am aware. Anyway, back to Durgans and Dungeons. I know. right After we said that, this was that was was the main meat of it. Right. That was quite the tangent. We just jumped right off the tracks. But uh, but I, I I feel even less bad about doing that on this show. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's kind here. of
0: what we have this for, right? So there's if there was a number associated with Dungeons and Dragons, what number would that be? If there was if there was a number. A that was associated with Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, what do you think the number would be?
1: The current edi- the current and most recent edition of D D is five E, fifth edition. I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Mm. I I don't so know. So the
0: maximum character level, the Oh, okay. The
1: soft cap on stats. Okay. The So with many The dice. Yes. So in a lot of games. Some of them are described in the way of like what dice they use. And so D and D is a twenty-sided die system. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but yeah. So it comes from the die. Uh and then in fifth edition, less so in fourth edition, um, from what I know, they they just took the number twenty and they built a game system around it. Mm-hmm. So each character can only level up 20 to level 20 20 is the highest you can have any of your stats and all of a sudden i'm drawing a blank on any other references to the number 20 but... well, well 20
1: is the the 20 sided dice is the one that's used for mm-hmm. many of the chance based parts of the game uh and so
0: yeah it's yeah just about everything
1: basically when the character wants to try to do anything if it's if it's any amount of difficulty, there is usually a 20 sided die roll uh, attached to it with a bunch of bonuses and all that. But if you want if you come up within against an enemy and you want to try to attack them, then you have to uh, roll a 20-sided die to see if you hit. If you want to try to leap off the building and and swing, on the rafters and do a backflip and land in the courtyard. It'll most likely be a you know twenty sided die to see uh, involved to see how successful you are. So it's a it's a huge part of the game, and I want people to really you know from the beginning. Um, I don't want folks to be lost um, as you know in these episodes, and so I want people to be able to have a basic understanding of the game uh, or however much they would like. And so in this episode, I'm going to attach a link to the Wizards of the Coast website, and then I'm going to attach a link to the, um, I can't remember, the SRD, um, which is just the... the f-
0: Standard rules document. Yes.
1: Uh, it's the free portion of the rules and, and things about the game that Wizards of the Coast uh, releases, so it doesn't cost anything to take a look through this. And it does give you most of the understanding that you need to start playing or to, to start understanding the game. So uh so what is the game? Brian, do you have any do you have any initial comments before I go off on an, an inevitable tangent?
0: It's a game system where trying to speak vaguely enough but still like get the uh get the essence of it. It's a game where you pretend to be the coolest person you can think to be, and you roll dice.
1: That's dope. To see you roll dice to see how so, what, what is kind of. Dungeons & Dragons not? What are the things that... D- it is not a
0: satanic cult.
1: Ooh, that's a good one to start with. <laughs> it,
0: it is not something only uh, 40-year-old virgins play. True.
1: It is not only played in the basement.
0: Uh, it is not only played in the basement. You're right. It is fun time... To hang out with friends joke around and tell a collaborative story together and uh, and be creative like that's that was like one of the coolest things when I first started playing I we talked about how I got into DD on the quality various yeah. but man I just want to reiterate like when I first started playing my imagination was like finally there's something <laughs> yeah that like I can latch on to there's a there's an outlet for my imagination now and it's so so fun especially when we get together you know you and me and the other guys we get together every week and we just we play and we just have fun it's so good
1: yeah i think you may have already said it but some of the comments i see and, and some of the reddit posts i see I'll express as well it's it's definitely not only played by men by old 40 year old men or, mm. or whatever Oh yeah yeah I've played many of my games. actually the, the current the campaign that they, that or the, the group that you and I have, Brian, is actually the only group that I am involved in that is all um, guys and that's just that's just coincidence more than anything. Right right. But most of the groups that I'm involved in have a about 50% or, or maybe just le- uh, under that uh, 50% female male population or just it's not it's not all just dominated by the stereotype from a couple years back of the Mm -hmm. sweaty single 40 year old guy
0: slightly overweight
1: slightly overweight
0: balding Balding. over
1: (laughs) yeah we we're cursed with our with our imagination in all times
0: (laughs) it never stops
1: yeah it's not it's not a book it is not a video game it's not a it's not a TV show. There's no set. There's no set. Uh, you're not. Wit- you're not witnessing a story. That's uh, that's happening. You mm. walk in. It's not a video game. And the main reasons that that uh, separated from those is that those things are kind of set, and you're either just experiencing what somebody else has created for you, or you're playing the game that has you know uh, these these limits or these boundaries for you. I think of even in a big RPG, like uh, like a Bethesda game, um, or like Red Dead Redemption, or or some of these Final Fantasy games. Uh, World of Warcraft. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy, RuneScape, World of Warcraft. The Witcher. The Witcher. Yeah. In The Witcher. Oh, even, yeah, thank. even The Witcher. I need to, obviously, since The Witcher is not the first thing I say in times like this, I obviously need to play The Witcher again. Because The Witcher always needs to be the That's first right. comment I make. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I love that game. All right. It's pretty, when, it's pretty good. It's all right. Yeah, when you were in the Witcher, you can still, <laughs> you can still walk to the end of the map, and the game will stop you.
0: Mm-hmm. It might take you, yeah. eight hours, <laughs> but you can get there.
1: It, yeah, especially if you're in Skellige and you have to mm-hmm. sail to the end. It takes a long time, but and and when you're doing quests, the quests are very interesting. They are going to go in the direction that the production team and all the all the smart folks over there made many months ago, and it's not going to change.
0: And there are, in several quests, there are several endings to the quests. Yes. But there's still only two or three mm-hmm. ultimate
1: outcomes for the quest. So, Dungeons & Dragons, or any any tabletop game, they all they all kind of fill this niche when people aren't satisfied by some of those things. None of those limits are there. The collaborative storytelling, and when folks are playing the story is created as it's happening. And so when, uh, when you sit down and you play the Witcher and you do a quest and you get a thing, and there's, no, there's never going to be a different outcome than the ones that are already set in place. But in D&D, you make a choice and it's going to be different every single time. And you want to you go somewhere that wasn't necessarily planned or I don't know how to, how to describe it. You see a thing off in the distance and it looks interesting and you want to go to it, you can go to it. Mm-hmm. and there will be things there. So
0: what if what if you talk to somebody who's like got this really important job for you to do, but you don't want to do it. So
1: in the oh man, and we're immediately going to get into the rabbit hole. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> so uh, I want to uh, okay, okay. I fill the role as the as the DM and so I'm kind of one of the ones that helps start the story off. So I have to we're going to talk about more about that later. So so Let's say I present, you know, everybody that's sitting at the table. There's this important guy that has this important quest, but somebody tells me that they would like to not do that and they would like to go off and do this other thing. What happens is that guy gets ignored. He probably feels a little bit frustrated, but the players go off and do that other thing and that thing happens and it's probably going to be amazing and hilarious and unexpected and there's going to be a totally different story than what anybody planned for. Maybe on the maybe on the way to that guy, maybe one of the players saw, you know, some suspicious activity going on in an alleyway, or or maybe somebody saw just like a super abnormal looking building. And in, and instead of following this guy's uh, directions, they just ignore him, and and maybe they want to go check out what's in the alley, or maybe they want to go look at the building. The game devs, when in a video game, they would have had to ahead of time plan out all of these possibilities. But in D&D, if the players say they want to do that, then it happens. Mm-hmm.
0: And like, without any <laughs> without any time for the DM to, to plan for it or to think about what is in that weird looking building or uh, who are these people messing around in the alley a lot of times,
1: right? Yeah. But for the players, like the kind of the point is that for the players' experience, it feels like as much as the DM can, it's kind of their goal to make it feel for the player like they saw this thing and they go take a look at it, and there is stuff there, and there is something going on, mm-hmm. and there and and to that to the to the player's experience, it seems like they went past the map in The Witcher, and they went and found something else, and there's something else going on mm-hmm. on the other side of the forest, kind of thing, and if they want to pursue it, then there's stuff there. Do you feel like that makes sense to somebody that hasn't played before?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, maybe. So, like, let's say you're the DM. I'm a player. I'm walking through town, and you have this NPC come up and, like, frantically ask me to come help something. I don't know. Come up with a side quest real quick.
1: Somebody goes up and says there's a bunch of rats that have been infest- uh, infesting their warehouse for weeks. But all of a sudden, he walked in one day, and the rats were all, like, a foot." you know, tall and they were not just infesting the warehouse, but they had just like killed two of his workers.
0: My character says, well, that sucks. And I turn on my heel and I walk the other way.
1: (laughs) In which case the, uh, the warehouse worker, I would just, I would explain to you the warehouse worker, just like, if you look back, the warehouse worker just like puts his hand down and just looks like defeated. And maybe he had a coin pouch in his hand that he was about to hand to you and he just kind of holds it limply hanging on the thing. And then he slowly just kind of walks back uh, from the middle of the street. You head off and you find something else interesting in the city. That, That guy probably dies. Well, I don't know, but
0: probably yeah yeah who knows but like but that's i think that was a good example of what you were getting at like this is the thing that was supposed to happen like uh we're supposed to go kill these rats yeah but i don't want to so i'm just gonna turn around and go find something else something that i something something different yeah yeah and that's just and that's how it goes it's not there's no there's no invisible boundary walls for for you to run into that that funnel you into where the developers want you to be. It's this cool thing where everybody's imagination is just like linked together and you just, you just say what happens and then it happens. And then everybody is just like buys into the story.
1: Yeah. One of the other big examples that I want to give is like, let's say in the middle of an encounter, you're fighting a bunch of people. Maybe you were dealing with a a row, a, a thief, a thieves guild In a city, you first interact with them, and maybe in a video game, the only path that they've set forth to you is you have to fight these people and you have to clear them out. Mm -hmm. But maybe somebody, maybe maybe one of the players wants to ally with them in the video game. Like I I have this thought all the time, like oh, like I hope I hope the game lets me do this, or I hope the game lets me do that. Like I think it'd be really cool if the game Mm -hmm. let like gave me this option, or or I could do it in a non-combat way, or I would see an item like oh. Can I like use this item with this thing? But if the developers didn't also think about that and put time, money and effort into it, then you literally can't do that. But in D&D, if you walk up and you you say to the DM, "I want to try to to ally with these people and and form an alliance with them," then the DM's like, "Okay, give it a go."
0: <laughs> what do you say?
1: And it can it can literally change the whole instead of instead of, you know, a couple sessions down the road, Instead of you getting paid by the king of the city for clearing out this thieves guild and you being a great, you know, prominent set of people in the city, all of a sudden you've taken a complete kind of tangent in another direction. And instead you find yourselves wanted by the city, just like the other people in the thieves guild, but you're running jobs for them and you're finding corruption within the officials in the city Mm -hmm. and the whole game, the whole game changes.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine that in a video game? Like, uh, I mean, The Witcher's is kind of a bad example there, but, um, well, maybe, yeah. well, I haven't finished The Witcher,
1: but. Well, the, so The Witcher 2 kind of has something a, like that what's where. What's a game? We've talked about The Witcher 2 before. The Witcher 2, oh, like, you have, you have a decision at the beginning of The Witcher 2 that lets you, you can choose to go with one person or the other person. Mm-hmm. It does kind of change the locations and kind of where you are and what you're doing for the whole game. But you do still, it's kind of like an oval, like you're, you're on these two paths, but then you come back to the middle and you still, you still end the game in kind of the same city and you're doing all these things. Right. I was thinking more of like,
0: like in Final Fantasy 15, you're playing Final Fantasy 15 right now. Yep. Like, um, I don't know where you're at in the story, but there's like, you're the king of your country and. Your country's just been destroyed, basically, by the Empire. And so your mission is to go go out, find the secret magical secrets that will help you destroy the Empire. Yep. But like can you imagine in that game if you're just like, nah, I'm gonna just join the Empire. We're just gonna chill with we're just gonna kick it with the Empire.
1: Like, exactly. Yeah.
0: There's a whole flipping game built around you destroying the Empire and then and like what would that be like to just like, no, on a video game of that scale to just say, no, I'm going to do
1: the other thing. Yeah. It'd be insane. Exactly. If somebody hasn't gotten it by now, then <laughs> YouTube is your friend. Look up a...
0: It's a little complex to say the least. We've been going on for 45 minutes about about what this game is. And it's hard to describe. You just got to do it.
1: People are off put. What do you think the main reason is that people are... Um... Off put by by D and D or other games that are similar. Besides the satanic thing, mm, I was just gonna say the uh, the satanic panic didn't help. Um,
0: <laughs> I think the other the other stereotypes that it's just a bunch of old sweaty white dude or middle aged sweaty white dudes uh, in their mom's basement being weird. Yeah, I think that's honestly for me the biggest the biggest barrier to entry was that I thought only losers played this game.
1: Yeah. So I'm actually um I've been going through a lot of um Matt Colville is a is a big um every industry or every sport, you know, there are just people that are very well known in that field. Uh Matt Colville is just a, a person that is very well known um in uh, kind of D&D and he was talking about the other day uh in one of his videos the origins of kind of tabletop games. And the Origins of something like D anD D at the time when it was being made in the 1900s were war games, war simulations uh, set in a tabletop way mm-hmm. for uh, milit for military. So you would have literal generals in the in the United States military having having these war games uh, set up with miniatures and and figurings uh, representing their different. Uh, troops and support and allies, and they would play these uh, simulations out against each other, and that was the that was the beginning of tabletop games, were these war simulation games.
0: Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: it's um, yeah that was the and and there were, I can't remember what what they were called, but there had to be somebody uh, just like D and D. There had to be somebody that were not that wasn't one side or the other. There had to be somebody kind of mediating the game. And I can't remember what they were mm-hmm. called, but they were basically the dungeon master where they would go to the the general that was, uh, the real general that was simulating this side of the metaphorical army. And so I was like, here's the situation. What would you like to do? And he would say the thing. And Matt was saying that um, these mediators had all these tables that they were supposed to go off of, of like, okay, if they do this and they have these troops, like here's all these graphs and these charts of like what's supposed to, what's supposed to happen. But they were saying the mediators mm-hmm. just like, They've been doing it for a long time and they just knew. And so they would just secretly, they would just wouldn't look at their charts and they would say like, uh, okay, you do this thing and this is what happens. And these people like in the military, they were extremely sought after. Like these were very well, uh, paying prestigious positions to be able to mediate these war Hmm. simulation games. And I'm sorry, I, I keep going on about it, but I find it absolutely fascinating. That's amazing. Yeah. It was a great value for them to play out these simulations and keep like going through them and like, okay, if I do this, what happens? If I do this, what happens?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And so that's like something like Warhammer. Warhammer is a, uh, mm-hmm. is another very popular tabletop game that is kind of more akin where you are literally managing um, an army. And at the time that D&D mm-hmm. was being set up, when the, can you remind me of the the founders' names? <laughs> Do you know them off the Gary head? Gary Gygax? Okay, yeah, Gary Gygax is the main
0: one. I know I know Gary Gygax was like inspired by um Lord of the Rings. I know he had a friend, and I can't remember who it was. I can't remember. I can't remember his buddy's name. But I know there was I know there was two people. Gygax was like the main author of Dungeons and Dragons, and then Gygax split off from his buddy, and his buddy made he his buddy made Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, which we now refer to as Second Edition, yeah, um, and then that guy kind of founded the other company, which later got picked up by Wizards, uh, and then you know that that company obviously grew, and Gary just didn't have the means to continue going. He had a he founded his own company, and uh, there was an article I read uh, this last year where that company got bought by. Like Gary's one of Gary's kids or something. Oh, they're gotcha. starting back up and yeah. But anyway, Gary's the main So man. that was like a whole thing, but yeah. yeah.
1: So when Gary Gygax and his friend, they were, they were starting these initial rules, which again, originally when they made the first Dungeons and Dragons, um, it was a trifold. That was the entirety of the rules mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. was a single, was a single trifold paper. <laughs> it was the first one that, what do you, what do you do? I'm measuring
0: your bookshelf with my fingers. Oh,
1: nice! Your screen. Thanks. <laughs> oh, you're te- you're comparing it to all the s- all the books that I have right now. Yeah, the books that are right behind
0: your head. There's. Well,
1: I sent you that photo uh, there's, of.
0: There's, there's that many books.
1: You, do you remember that photo I sent you when I was when I was moving from Washington and I had to pile yeah. up all my books to get into the box, and I realized that I yeah, had a yeah. pile of books that were about five feet high.
0: Yeah, it was like. Oh, like scary, frightening. <laughs> how how tall this stack of books was? It was. It's uh, like think of a whole bookshelf and the amount of books that it takes to fill up like the bottom three shelves. That's how many books Jordan has.
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised it's if so I piled them, if I piled them all up. It'd probably be taller than me. Now I'd be very surprised if it wasn't actually. So <laughs> so a trifold, but he. I think he was the first one that was making a game where you managed a single player, where you were not managing Mm -hmm. troops or groups of people, and so he was the first one that was like, "Well, maybe like I want to play like I want to develop like one person. I want to play like a single character." Yeah, and that was weird to people because they were people were playing these simulation games and they were just playing these war games. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: I think that I think that lets him that lends itself to the stereotype because in the beginning, due to the nature of U.S. military back at that time, um, mm-hmm. it was a lot of men <laughs> that were playing these simulations. <laughs> yes, and then just continuing on from that, like that's what these games were, and so I'm glad it's changing, but uh, but that I feel like is a big contributor to why kind of that became the stereotype. <laughs> when that's. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing
0: that. Actually, yeah,
1: and there's. I'd love to dive into. You know, I I I'm just going off of memory here, and uh, we'll do one a of whole these days, on it. yeah, one of these days, like the the beginning of tabletop games, I think that would be a really interesting conversation. Mm. Um, to, uh, I would to do. I'd love to do that. It's it's changing now. We're on the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons um, now, and D and D has propelled itself. In the last couple of years, and then so many other tabletop games like up into kind of mainstream uh, media. We're not going to talk about Critical Role today, but Critical Role is is a media source that has really contributed uh, to the genre of playstyle just becoming a big a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I would describe it is the game is you are playing an imaginary game. And I feel like that's the most, I asked you like, what's the most off-putting thing? I feel like that's the most off-putting thing for a lot of people is that it's just like this make-believe game mm-hmm. and people don't understand. Like, are you just, I remember an episode of SpongeBob where like SpongeBob, they just have their box and they're just playing in the box, but it's their imagination. <laughs> and so they're having this <laughs> yeah, experience. Yeah.
0: I remember my brother, when I, when I told my brother that I played D D, he was like, what, what do you look at? Like it's just on <laughs> yeah, paper. Exactly. Do, you, do you draw everything? Like like no, you, it's it's in your it's in your mind. You imagine everything. And then he said a lot of things that I don't want to remember. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm the older brother, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I just want to just want to put out there that uh, I'm the older brother, and your the little brother was he was acting up.
1: Was this brother the one of the gentlemen that was at that game? Uh, that I that I ran when I joined your family, in uh, Saint George. Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. I, cool. I only have one, the one brother. I'm the oldest. I have two two younger sisters, and then uh, bookend little brother. Yeah. He's. I've got. I'm. I'm ten years older than him, and he just. He's just a little brother. That's all. He was. Just, wow. he I'm just glad it's him then because. because.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it's him then because I do remember. Vividly that he had a good time when we were able to play D and D at your place. So, yeah. um, yeah.
0: And that's, uh, that's true. And he does ask every now and then like, Hey, when are we going to play D and D again? Or, Hey, we should play D and D again. And so, uh,
1: that has, that the sass has been rectified. Good. That's I'm glad. Um, it was a very satisfying moment for me. Cause like, I love, I love showing people who have those, uh, reservations, how fun it is, mm-hmm. and like my my father, who yep, like very he what he likes football. <laughs> he yep. he likes uh, football, and he plays like very simple board games with the family. Mm-hmm. He's not a big fan of video games, but he he understands what's going on. And when I told him this whole thing about D and D, he's like, "You've you've been <laughs> in my head like." I look at his eyes, and what he's saying in his head is like, you've gone off the deep end.
2: <laughs> oh, no.
1: Oh, man. And so I, I got to show him, and we got to play, and he was he was very into the game. And I was very happy. So so why is it not just a make-believe game? Firstly, if, it was, if there was no DM involved, then that would make things a lot harder, and I think more kind of what people are thinking happens. If it was just a group of people that were just playing make-believe with each other. So there is a facilitator that maintains the reality of the world that, that they're playing in.
0: Continuity, maybe? The
1: continuity. Yeah, the continuity. That's a great word for it. And holds you the... Uh, I almost think of the D&D in itself isn't a game as much as it is just a framework. Yeah. You have these things you'd like to do, and the rule set of D&D allows you to do it in a consistent manner that feels satisfying. Because if you... Mm-hmm. If you don't have the rules of D&D, then you can just say at any time to yourself in a quiet place, like, oh, man, like, I fly to the moon. And you're Mm like, well, that was fun to think about. Yeah. Uh, Steal all the gold. But with D&D, like, you can have a character and you can say, like, would like to rob a bank. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's a way with limitations that you can, if you're good and you're mindful, that you could successfully do that and actually feel, you know feel satisfied at the end of it. And then the other part is Mm -hmm. dice. So putting chance, putting some chance into it and saying there's, there's the possibility of failure, um, is the other thing that takes it away from just the straight Mm make-believe. I think the more I keep kind of going over it, I'm just going to overcomplicate it, but yeah, (laughs) it's a, it's a framework and there is continuity and it's fun. (laughs) It's yeah, it's
0: fun. And I, the big thing is, the big thing for me is playing with people that you already enjoy spending time with because that's, that's where the fun for me is, is like, I'm hanging out with my buddies, uh, and we're playing improv and math games because with the dice, there's, there's simple math. And so it's just, it's just improv and math and clicky clacks. That's all.
1: Um, I think in total, like 10 or 12 people between some of the different groups, that I that I'm involved with we are a group of people that talk regularly and interact regularly and keep up with each other's lives who would have dropped off talking to each other years ago if we weren't mm-hmm. playing D&D. Oh yeah. Your group, uh you. Uh I met you a couple of years ago and I think it's, you know, connected really well when we were mm-hmm. forced to be together. <laughs>
0: When you were forced um, to be with me,
1: yes. When I was forced <laughs> to be with you, you were paid to babysit me.
0: Yes, good times, good times.
1: After the fact, like it just turns into another one of those, like, oh, you know, we should stay in touch, which I've said a billion mm-hmm. times to people. Right. But uh, folks from folks from high school, um, old coworkers and employees from old jobs that I've had, friends from uh, friends from church, uh, all of these people that I would have stopped talking to years ago, but. We just get to sit down, however frequently we can, chat and just enjoy each other's company. But we get we can play this game, and we can enjoy we can enjoy this game while we're talking to each other. That's a big thing for me. Yeah, it's like what Facebook wanted to be. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's better than Facebook. You heard it better, here, folks. It's better than Facebook. D and D is better than Facebook. I will say that confidently.
0: DD is unequivocally better than Facebook.
1: So that's what yeah. that's what DD that's is. That's our new
0: t-shirt. That's our new t-shirt idea, Jordan.
1: <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Episode one, new t-shirt. Yes. Woohoo! Well, after an hour, that's what DD is, guys.
0: <laughs> yes. So, on to the segment, which will be named at some point. Why don't you introduce your part of the segment there, Jordan?
1: I'm throwing my single second thought of the segment name. My pitch is Homebrew Corner. We'll continue to work I'm on into it. it. Welcome to Homebrew Corner. Yes, where Jordan and I talk about D and d stuff. Yes. Um, okay, so every episode we I like the thought of every every player, I don't know I'm, I'm never I, I'm barely ever a player. Most players like character builds, maybe have a hard time thinking of like creative or unique character builds uh, for their D and d games. I do know that many, many dungeon masters, me included, um, get stressed about trying to create unique encounters um, or situations or combat things for their players. Um, especially if they're trying to do something homebrewed. I think we'll talk about that on a different episode. But homebrew means you're not playing from something somebody else has published or given you. You've uh, whether it's just a single item that you've created yourself and not gone off of somebody else's thing or. Um, an entire world that only crazy people do
0: yeah only weirdos do that don't do that don't do it (laughs) it's amazing when it's almost over or it's i will say i will say that it is so fun and so satisfying to, like, have a story in my head and, like, have a, a series of events in my head that you guys have gotten to go through. And I've gotten to, yes. like, tell the story through, through like, encounters and environments and, and dice rolls and, and conversations you guys have with NPCs and stuff. That part, like, teasing out, like, dropping hints about stuff that hopefully you guys will learn more about later on that is awesome so having a story that you want to tell or having something that you want to do um as the dungeon master that is i think the best thing or the number one thing motivation to be a dungeon master yeah but that's my two cents
1: with with homebrew and like stories on the dn side and um there are there are key differences between being a DM for a D&D game and being like a writer for a book and not understanding those differences will actually make you a very frustrating DM to play under. There are some similarities and that similarity is like the potential that you, if you'd like, you can create a world. And I would agree with Brian that like, for me, when I creating, creating like a fictional world with stories and lands and cities, commerce and trouble in history, at times extremely not fun. But Mm -hmm. the time there was there was a there was a particular time I was trying to answer I was trying to answer a question on um, I think there was a village in the north and I wanted there was a question I was just trying to answer about them like what are they what's happening here. And I suddenly realized like, oh, however many years ago, like these people from this other city on the south, like they came up here and did this thing. And so... Like it's not surprising at all if some of them stayed, and and just ended up be, you know becoming the first you know inhabitants of this of this area over here. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then I realized like I just answered my own question from content that I created. Wow. And that was super strange. Yeah. Like I've never had an experience like that before, and it was so wow. satisfying. And then ever since then, That's like
0: way cool. You created a closed loop of lore.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it's like when I was creating, uh, and th- and it repeats itself all the time now. Um, I think people, c- you hit a threshold. I'm like, w- when you've created something, whether it's a story or or anything, I say like, what's this? Like, what's his motivation, or like, what is he trying to do? And then I already know, like, well, I already know that this city trades like this shitty this um, this city's <laughs> primary function. <laughs> this city's. Prim- <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> this. This,
0: oh man,
1: Um, leave it in, leave it in. Gosh, Uh, (laughs) this city's primary function is shipbuilding, and this person I already know is in the position that's involved with that, so I'm like, okay, maybe he has an ulterior motive. And, and like, I start to, I just, yeah, like that, that close feedback where I start to answer my own questions because there's already so much. Like I have 80% of the city figured out. And so when I have a single other character, I'm like, well, what do they want to do? It's like, well, I already know all the options. So I just, I I can just pick one. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know how to explain it, but I hit a threshold and then it was just this amazing experience of like, uh, it's almost like I was going to Wikipedia to find the answers, but the Wikipedia was my own like lore. Mm -hmm. Wow. It was, yeah, it was extremely strange and a, and an experience that I can't, I'm, I'm really not doing justice.
0: Wow, It sounds amazing. It sounds a lot more in depth than mine. I just started with a beginning and an end, and you guys are filling out the middle. Well, and that's what
1: somebody smarter should be should be doing. <laughs> you guys were like, we were playing from a in the beginning from a pre written like somebody else had created adventure, yeah. and then somebody asked a question, and I'm like, I don't know the answer to that question. Let me make an entire universe behind <laughs> the answer to this question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the fabric of reality just split because this character
1: said no instead of yes, and now I have to back it all up. Yeah. One day, I, I can actually tell you that... So, you you will know... I'm going to ask you a question that you'll know the answer to and the audience unfortunately won't unless they've played Lost Minds of Phandelver. Mm-hmm. So somebody asked me you guys, uh, in the red brand hideout, um, mm-hmm. it's a kind of a ruffian group in a, in a village in that, in that adventure. Um, do you remember fighting them, dealing with them? Red, the red cloaks mm, in yep. the city, of, in the village of Vandover? Mm-hmm. Just when you're in there, thuds. there's this, there's a particular room, uh, in their hideout that has a bunch of caskets. And one of them had a ring. And in the adventure, Literally all it said was, this is a signet ring. This has the crest of some, and I looked up signet ring and it just meant like this has a ring that has the symbol of some house or something. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And so um, somebody grabbed the signet ring and they're like, what is this? And I was like, uh, that's the signet of the Lord's Lions." And they're like, oh, why is there a thing of the Lord's Lions in here? And I was like, I, because they were like, this guy's been dead for however many years. Like, that's super interesting. And I was like, I don't know why this (laughs) ring was in here. Oh, crap. (laughs) And so then I was like, what's the Lord's Alliance been up to? And then three weeks later, I was like, okay, I've created four continents. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad.
0: Oh, my goodness. Oh, That's amazing. I love hearing about your world building because it's it's just so explosively. Well, well, it's explosive. It's yeah, it's explosive. You've got you've got a brain. You've got a mind for it, man. That's all I can say.
1: (laughs) I beg to I beg to differ, but it is very satisfying (laughs) when stuff does actually sound somewhat cool. Most of the time, I think of these things, I'm like. I sit there and I think about something for like 10 minutes. And then the conclusion of the 10 minutes is I need to go to bed. (laughs) Um, Okay. That was another massive tangent. So homebrew homebrew is just like, however, like basing off of something else, whatever all a lot of creative work is inspired heavily by other stuff. That's kind of the nature of things, but final work, kind of your own creation, your own little bit of, of yourself Mm -hmm. And your your mind kind of put on put on paper. Uh, every episode, I am going to be presenting an adventure at a different level. We're going to be starting today at level one, and it's actually going to be presented in like a every adventure has to have a beginning, and so this is going to be a possible beginning to an adventure. And uh, kind of the environment, a little bit of homebrew, a little bit of dialogue and description in um, environment, and then. Uh, Brian, what are you gonna be sharing with the what are you gonna be sharing with the audience um, every other week?
0: I am building a character. So today today is gonna to be a little bit more in depth because we're like creating the character So we will quickly go through the uh, the whole the process of creating a character and we'll just get into that. But as weeks go on, um, it'll probably, Get more and more streamlined as we just talk about the level up and the new the new stuff they get, and probably some like um, some some team compositions and some uh, some stuff to look out for for your character to do as your character gets more and more specialized, or as as this character gets more and more specialized.
1: Excellent, Brian. Do you want to do you want to start kind of with your character uh, creation, and then you can kind of introduce what. Well, we'll, uh, we'll become the character that, uh, that we take through the episodes, and then I can, uh, can kind of do the level one adventure example afterwards. Sure. So I'm excited. Brian, he's already kind of, uh, this has already been made note on the other channel, uh, but uh, for those that are not aware, Brian is a character creating build optimization fanatic, I would say. Fanatic? fanatic. Thank you. Thank you. Every time for the new I was very very fresh as a dungeon master. I was very green when Brian and I connected and started playing together. (laughs) And I swear Brian would send me messages D&D related that would just give me heart attacks. (laughs) Heart palpitations.
0: In my defense I um, I was also, I was as green or greener than you were uh, and I just wanted to know. That's all. No malice. No malice.
1: I couldn't think of like uh, there are some people that I have interacted with where I'm like I am very similar to you in play style. Brian, you are not one of those people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're we're just about opposite, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot more. But we will. Um, yeah, we but. talked about it on the other show, but I. The backstory and what the character, the character's personality, is the last thing that I ever do for a and character, and I'm pretty sure that's the first thing that you start with.
1: Yes, and uh, yeah, for me, numbers and like build optimization and like stats is it's one of the first things you look at, and it's one of the last things I look at. Mm-hmm. If yeah. it is funny, or it creates like a <laughs> deeper story, or it's uh-huh. just Plain interesting. One of my favorite characters I built is a half-orc cook. A half-orc chef.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: I optimized him because I didn't know enough about the game back in the past when I first made him. He was my first character when I got into the game.
2: hmm hmm
1: Now, I wouldn't even give that guy a two-handed weapon. I would just literally give him, like, the biggest pot or pan <laughs> I could find, and that would be his weapon. And he would be full-on <laughs> just a chef. Um, It'd be a mace but or a I will club. yeah I will take uh, my car- my character that is playing in Brian's adventure right now is a cat and he's a rogue kind of sneaky guy and a cleric and his stats are not are not optimized to say the <laughs> least but man is it funny playing him it's,
0: there has been some funny times
1: yes but but Brian Brian is is very good at at building uh, characters and building genuinely interesting kind of combos that a lot of people may not, may not find immediately.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, One more note before I start talking about this guy is uh, this one shot that you're about to run for us on Monday um, has just like breathed this like vigor into my passion for this game because it's been a long time since I've got to do that. And like, Get into the nitty gritty. I spent like, I think I spent four hours today, like picking spells just to get like the perfect balance of like the character that I wanted. Mm. I never know what to expect.
1: Because when a dungeon master kind of gives these criteria and says like, we're going to run this and this, here are the things for the characters. And it would benefit you guys to communicate amongst each other on like your character builds and everything. I have said that to one of my other groups and just nothing the entire week. And like one or two (laughs) of them still had to create their character. Like when they showed up that day and I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh, that was kind of, that was kind of deflating. And so I talked about it with you guys and I was not prepared for the chat messages that I saw in the discord, um, over the past (laughs) few days. Um, it, uh, but it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's very, um, it's just very cool to see as a dungeon. I, I love seeing that. I love Good. seeing you guys just get into it. It's also very scary because then it's like, uh, you know, it raises the bar. I'm like, man, All I right. I want this to be a satisfying adventure that you guys have have spent this time uh, preparing for. Hmm. Hmm. Um.
0: Yeah. We can talk about the the ins and outs of like of that that uh, later yeah because it's on our end it's like i know the so me and steven are like the build optimizers the the min maxers and then yeah uh dad and tanner are more your style where they they'll purposely go for a a peg leg if it's fits their character or fits the story exactly
1: peg legs sound awesome that sounds cool yeah
0: so there was
1: i will a i will purposely of take coaching <laughs> <from> <laughs> <Stephen> <laughs> <to get laughs> i saw that oh my goodness i uh, didn't even know I, how to make a thread on discord and i just click on this thing that Stephen made and <laughs> Stephen basically just like created this pages, black hole of pages. content yeah I click on this thing, but it's like, Oh my goodness. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, like as an example, like a peg leg, if it seemed like cool to me, I would totally like voluntarily take a five to 10, like walking speed deduction, even if there was no Mm -hmm. like need to, because it made sense thematically to have a peg, like to have a wooden leg. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a nightmare for you to like voluntarily like yeah I'll, I'll just like I, this just feels right to like walk yeah. not be able to walk as far yep. or not be able to run as far.
0: Yep, nope.
1: Ugh. All right, let's jump in. What do you have for us? What are you what are you thinking? What do you want to build with the All
0: right. So, my thoughts. I kind of want to I kind of want to hit this balance and we'll see if I get there of really really noob friendly, mm. but also interesting and customizable and technical gotcha okay uh so so we'll see we'll see if uh, i've got a, a little skeleton plan of this guy but we'll see so i started with a rogue okay uh that's cool. i, I like think it. that's a really a really easy class to step into um i went with dwarf uh because thematically uh those don't really go together well um yeah. the lore of this game kind of paints dwarves as big like heavier um stronger folk um whereas rogues are typically sneaky cunning uh, and sly so uh, yeah so i i decided to to go uh lean on the uh the story of this guy a little bit more oof um what a good time you're welcome we'll get into the the nitty-gritty mid-maxing around level five <laughs> okay <laughs> um so uh one of the first things you do is you roll for stats um so there's several stat options um you have six stats You got Strength, Dexterity, Constitution, Intelligence, Wisdom, and Charisma. They all do different things. We don't need to talk about them right now. But basically, depending on what class you pick, you're going to want to have better stats in different areas. Rogue is really noob friendly because they're really um, single ability dependent. Yeah. Um, You really only need Dexterity. As a rogue and you if you have high dexterity you can kind of throw the rest of your stats to the wind you don't need good stats anywhere else so
1: very true and dexterity is a powerful ability in the game in general and so it's, you're really yeah. you're serving yourself you're serving yourself many parts of the game
0: dexterity in my opinion is the strongest stat it has the most going for it for high dexterity but we can talk about we can talk more about that later. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, this dwarf rogue. His name is Glick.
1: Oh, nice! It's a cool name.
0: G L I C. Uh, this is just kind of a side. Um, I am the worst at naming things. <laughs> so whenever I name a character, I go straight to Google Translate. I will think of a word in English, and I will translate it into either Latin. Mostly Latin, ninety nine percent of the time it's Latin. But for dwarves, I go Scots Gaelic because that's on Google Translate. So, glick in Gaelic means sly. So there you go. Uh, and yes, every single one of my characters that I've ever named has meant something in mostly in Latin. Uh, so I'm gonna, I've got four d six here. This um. This is one method to to get your stats. You roll forty six, and you you only take the highest three stats, or the highest three rolls. So I got a six, a six, and a three. So that's twelve. That's fifteen. That's fifteen. Math <laughs> is math is hard.
1: There is one. There is a second part to the ability stats, which is adding them together. <laughs> I mean, Brian, the way, that, the way that you were originally rolling for stats...
0: <laughs> we don't need to talk about that.
1: The way that you originally rolled stats, um, you bypassed all, all math. All, all math altogether. Yep. You, I just rolled 1d20. You, <laughs> you just rolled 1d20. And yeah. man, Which when I found bad. out about that, I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I nowadays, got a, yeah. you got some good ones. I do have some good yeah this uh the,
0: this guy that I just made today he is he's stacked man he's, he's stacked. stacked I'm
1: really excited yes I will say like these days you know in the beginning all I know is like okay there are these rules and then there's all this other stuff that I have no idea about so the only the only thing I want players to do is the thing like that's in these books right here that I just read nowadays like if somebody wants if somebody wanted to roll their stats with a 20 sided die uh i don't think i'd be opposed to it really yeah because i think that's entertaining as all get out another 12. you roll a 1d20 and your max your your max skill can still only be 20 so if you roll a 20 i don't know maybe something happens but you still can't you can't go above it maybe mm-hmm. i don't know maybe if you roll a 20 you can get to 21. maybe that's Ooh. maybe that's like the advantage of like if you roll a effectively a crit you unlock one more level in that skill that mm-hmm. you can inherently get to that'd be interesting or maybe okay well that's that's actually you can, you can get to 22 how about that so it actually has an effect there you go yeah
0: so it actually is worth something no yeah. just to make it 21 yeah. <laughs> that's funnier
1: the person that has never played before like oh that's so cool and then two months down the road they're like hey wait is a this is this meaningless I'm like yes yeah. yes it is <laughs>
0: It means nothing. Yeah. Uh, hear those clicky clacks. Yes.
1: Brian, how long was it between you starting to play D and D and you getting your first set of dice? What was that time period?
0: It was over a year. Wow. It was, yeah, it was over a year. That it was is a amazing. A year and it was a year and four months. It was sixteen months. Wow.
1: Are you uh, are you a fan of the dice now? Uh, one might call me a dice goblin. That just, that just goes to show these days that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things we're saying this episode that we're going to, that we say we'll get to later, but we'll have a future conversation about truly, you really don't have to pay for anything. Even as the dungeon master, I would argue that in the beginning, if you just want to sit down and play with, with your buddies, you don't have to pay for anything. Don't do what I did. And because I had an ego and I just wanted to know the things I went and bought all mm-hmm. the books so that, you know, I could, I could act like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> little did I know Steven was going to be in my game and little
0: did you, know, <laughs> you,
1: you poor little baby. I know that was, I appreciate it now. I'm grateful for it. <laughs> How are the stats going?
0: All right. we have got them all assigned here.
1: Ooh, nice. Oh, okay. Perfect. So, so you said, uh, you roll four six sided dice and you mm-hmm. keep the top, you keep the highest three, and you add those together. Right. Yes. Um,
0: so the reason you do forty-six instead of one D twenty is because your uh, the law of averages go the more dice you roll, the more dice you roll, the more towards the median you will get. So rolling one D twenty, you can get a twenty, you can also get a one, but rolling. Yes. 46 the lowest you can roll is a three while still being able to get uh 18. Mm-hmm. it's uh it's like it's a little it's a balancing strategy uh, it's how the the it's how they keep it balanced yeah so you don't have a bun- a character with a bunch of terrible stats and one guy that just
1: rolled amazing my rule is you can re-roll ones I think a lot of people's rule is you can't roll below a six or below an eight Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's things. And cause below a six, you're effectively a fish. So, right. Yeah. Especially in like intelligence or wisdom. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, all right. What, what do you have for us? What is, uh, what, what's his name again? Glick. What is, uh, what's Glick looking like?
0: Uh, so he's got, I didn't roll super good. I will be honest. Um, so he's got... 11 strength So 10 is the baseline let's uh i should explain that 10 in a stat is the baseline if you're stronger than that you get bonuses if you're weaker than that then you take penalties for it yeah so he's got 11 strength 15 dexterity Mm -hmm. 16 constitution
1: oh interesting okay
0: 12 intelligence 10 wisdom and 14 charisma
1: all right, so so a little bit of a a little bit of a sweet talker.
0: Yeah. So uh, we'll talk more about that when we get to his backstory. Um, mm. So any the race you pick does matter. So a dwarf has plus two strength and plus two constitution. That's why the constitution is higher than the dexterity.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
0: I'm just doing real basic rules. There's there's advanced rules later on after you get going that you can move the racial bonuses around, which. Everybody likes min-maxers and narrative players alike. Yeah, yeah, yep. But I just kept them there for, just for funsies. Yeah. So those are the stats. Moving on, his background, I'm not going to talk about alignment because I think that's pointless. Yep. So the backgrounds, there's a list of backgrounds in the books that you can choose from, or you can just create your own. There's rules for that also. Uh, I picked the far traveler background, but he's basically a wandering merchant. Uh, That's why he that's why I put some more points in charisma. Yeah, because he's a wandering merchant, you know, sweet talker haggling. And he just kind of wanders from town to town selling whatever stuff he finds on his adventures. Next, your class Gives you skill proficiencies. These are things that you can use, um, in the world, typically outside of combat, but there are combat applications for some of them. And they all are tied to your stats, but there's, there's ways to get better at certain things. Mm-hmm. For, um, proficiency is when this character has practiced the skill enough that he's, he's now considered good at it. Even though anybody can try to do a backflip, rogues are typically better at doing backflips because they're proficient in acrobatics, for yeah. example.
1: They're, they're just more, it's their lifestyle, um, yeah. more than it's others. It's their training.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I did the kind of the, the four typical rogue skill proficiencies. Um, Glick is proficient in acrobatics, athletics. Nice. Sleight of hand and stealth. Nice. Um, so he's good at flips. Um, he's good at running and pushing. Um, he's He can, sli- you know, sleight of hand tricks. Um, he can pick locks. Pick locks. That's, yep, that's sleight of hand. Um, pick pockets. hmm yep. And stealth, you know, he's a sneaky boy. So, and then he's got some languages. You could, there's, a, there's a whole list of languages you can speak, which just helps if you go to a city that's that only has elves or something uh glick speaks elvish so he can talk to the elves you know and do business with the elves um and then other than that it's just uh picking your uh your starting gear and in 5e the starting gear is real simple you get like a dagger leather armor thieves tools which are that's your lock pick kit and then 15 gold pieces Right. Um, yep.
1: Give him. Uh, give him a little bit. And oh man, we could we could talk about the current the economy in D D for some time. <laughs> Later.
0: Yep. Later. We're already going long. Yes, we are. So yeah. The uh, oh, this guy. I have a musical instrument. Oh, for my background. The backgrounds do fun things like this guy Glick uh, plays an instrument now. I'm going to say pan flute, but it's going to be a harmonica. So he plays the harmonica now. Uh, So Glick, just from this little exercise, he's a traveling merchant. He's broke. One of the tropes of the game is like a newbie will come in and just like have this amazing backstory of this hero that's ready to save the world. But he's a level one adventurer. And so he can very easily get killed by a pack of dogs Um, or like two dogs. (laughs) <laughs> so don't fall into that trap
1: yep yep <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh he's he's broke he peddles things like um little trinkets that he finds in dungeons or little uh knickknacks that he swipes off of people as he's walking through a city and uh yeah he's a smooth talker He's uh, quick with a dagger or a or a short sword he does have a rapier also but uh, that's that's kind of the basic look at uh, Glick, the mountain dwarf rogue, real quick.
1: That's super cool.
0: Yeah, there's not much to talk about, other than because uh, he's level one. There's not much to talk about here. It's uh, there's not much of a build. This level one is more for the your your background, your story. So that's what we got.
1: And I'm sure we can find a way and and. Um... Maybe we'll figure this out in kind of the background uh, before we get it uploaded. But uh, do you think we can get a link put into the show notes of Glick's character sheet for folks yeah. to uh, for folks to look at as as we're going throughout the episodes and as Glick is uh, developing?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, yeah I'll see what we can do. We can make a PDF throw a throw a picture in there just for funsies. Cool. Yeah, you can get the the layout of a
1: character sheet. Yeah, and and again, I'll be anything that I find helpful. We love the game, and so anybody that finds themselves kind of interested in what we're talking about, I'll have videos for kind of character sheet stuff, kind of introduction stuff to the game. Um, anything that you'd like to, you know, if you have an interest to, uh, we will have stuff to satiate that. So. Cool. I like the character dwarves. Good. I'm glad. I'm preferential to dwarves. I love them. Uh, we're about to play an adventure that is yeah. very dwarf um, heavy.
0: It's an excuse to practice your Scottish accent, and that's always a fun
1: time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it, uh, that is definitely the common thing when folks start playing dwarves. All right. Uh, you ready? You ready for the adventure? The beginning of the oh. the adventure. Yes, I love story hooks. So, I may, but I I probably won't. I'd make no promises on continuity. <laughs> That's fine. These will probably just be kind of very different, you know, very different environments, things going on every episode. Because I want, if this was an adventure, there would be some consistency, but that would also kind of make, t- you know, you'd see some very similar monsters, you know, a couple times and... And I really want to give a lot of variety to the environments that I'm that I'm presenting to the audience and kind of the situations that they're finding themselves in. So each of these are going to be kind of one-off things. But I may write uh, Glick into all of them. So.
0: Ooh, I like it.
1: So um, I am going to present this in the beginning, kind of how I would to the players. And then I'll kind of break it down and kind of behind the screen a little bit of what is going on in my head as the dungeon master, um, as I think about running this for a group of players. So... The, uh, the story hook is, well, I'll just, I'll just kind of start. So, uh, two miles east of Redgill lies the beautiful, uh, pheasant cove, a favorite fishing slash hangout spot for the residents of the nearby town for a relaxing hour to most evenings. Uh, many of the villagers in Redgill actually stop work early and head off to the cove to enjoy the sunbathing on the rocks, fishing in their favorite spots. I thought you might like that, Brian. I'm all uh, into it, <laughs> or hang out on the small island out in the water, and the kids swim out uh, swim in a small separate pool in the cave that doesn't uh, doesn't um, disturb the fish. <laughs> One night, uh, after the villagers return to their quiet homes, a mother cries out that the, that her child hasn't returned. Immediately, some of your hearts just s- still for a moment. There are very few rules in Redgill. There are only two or three dozen uh, villagers in this uh, settlement, um, and everybody gets along. But one law that is uh, never broken is that you do not uh, go to Pheasant Cove at night. And uh, as the sun is already setting, um, she is just going crazy and frazzled. Uh, She runs out of her house uh, trying to pull others out of their homes, saying that uh, the monsters at uh, at Pheasant Cove are going to get her son. As uh, After the sun goes down, Pheasant Cove is no longer this friendly place to uh, to visit. She pushes a, few, a couple villagers, the first one that she sees uh, to uh, the the exit of the town, begging them to go save her son. A couple minutes later you find yourself just running down the dirt path outside of the village, heading back to the cove uh, and you look beside you and you see two or three others. One of them you notice isn't even a a resident of the village, just some traveling merchant that was selling his wares and found himself caught up um, with this uh, with this pleading mother.
0: Hey, hey, that's me.
1: <laughs> and uh, and you find yourselves rushing back to the cove to try to save this small boy uh, from the horrors that are rumored to uh, to lie in the cove after the sun sets. So that is kind of the when when. An adventure start. The D the uh, starts. The DM has a couple objectives. The first objective is there's there's kind of a hook, uh, kind of a task that maybe the players could. And, and like Brian said, if the players want to do something different, they can say so, and and we'll go off in a different direction. But right now, they are in the middle of kind of an urgent thing that hopefully has kind of hooked them uh, and intrigued them on on what's going on. The other thing that I actually find more difficult, more of the time, is why are the players together? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that one is tough.
1: Um, that one is stressful, and if the players aren't, mm-hmm. if the players aren't on your side, trying to be helpful in their willingness to be with each other, then your adventure can derail before it even begins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a I had a particularly unwilling set of roommates and, and friends. <laughs> And I probably could have made the made things a little bit differently as well. But when they, when I present the to them all to each other, they're like, uh, "Okay," and they're, and they're all of them separately. They're like, "I'm going to go this way," and I'm like, "Cool, thank you guys." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man! So, uh, I just want to pipe in. I know I talked about that a lot. Like just turning around from the DM story, don't do that. Uh, you can do that. That is absolutely possible. But be nice to your DMs. It's a lot of work, man. There's a lot of reading. There's a lot of books. There's a lot of prep. you got to have like a billion Google tabs open at all times. (laughs) Notes taken. Don't do that. Don't be that guy.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, different tables do different things. And it could totally be like your guys' thing is definitely just a sandbox. Like you guys just go off in whatever directions at all times. But uh, I think that's mostly just a communication beforehand. Can really get everybody on the same page, like what is what does the DM want the players to do and what do the players kind of what kind of game do the players want to play in? mm mm-hmm. Because if the players want to go off and do their own thing and just run around and whatever suits their fancy, and the DM thought that they were gonna be playing a structured, like especially if they're playing from a module. If they're playing from the module, them and the players really need to be on the same page that yes, we are playing a little bit more restrictive of a of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um kind of through this experience, but a conversation beforehand will clear all that up and make sure everybody's on the same page, or if not, you know folks can you know not waste a couple sessions in this game they can go find another table that you know where everybody you know everybody wants to play the sandbox so right, right. we'll talk about session zeros um another day because they're very important uh yeah, so that's that's kind of the hook in the actual encounter a lot of times. It's gonna be combat related. Uh, I'll try to kind of throw some non-combat stuff in here now and then, but right now it is combat to get the players just jumping in. So behind Especially the screen, to get me into it. <laughs> yes, uh, behind the screen. Depending on how much I've prepped, a lot of times I kind of have an intention and an environment, and I know what the mo- like what the monsters or the bad guys would like to do, and then I kind of leave it at that. So that I'm very open to whatever the players want to do, and and very open to how that turn, whatever direction that makes the game go. So for me, I know that there is kind of a cave uh, that the encounter they're going to be in is going to be kind of a cave that's going to be very dark in some spots. There's going to be some light coming through the single opening um, that they'll be able to see stuff, but um, it's going to be at night and there's going to be some issues with light. And so some of the villagers may have to have, uh, torches lit or, uh, or something like that. And then the cliff, it's actually about 10 or 15 up, uh, feet up from the water, uh, with a path that goes down. And then there's, there's a small, like rocky, maybe only t- 10 or 15, f- like square feet of like usable, like standable space. But there's a very small kind of rocky Island, out in the water in this kind of cove. And then, like I said, the water actually goes into a small stream and then goes out into this uh, other kind of pool. So in my head, that's kind of the environment that I have for this, uh, for this encounter. And when the villagers uh, come in, um, they will see that basically the boy is out on the island. And you can see that basically the little boat that the boy had used to get out on the island had floated kind of away from the island. So he couldn't use the boat to get back. And now it's dark. You can hear kind of the scared, whatever f- things the boy's saying, but you can hear the boy and then the monster. Um, and I'll kind of go back into the, uh, the dialogue as you guys are coming up, you, you see the boy and you hear the boy. And as you call out to him, he will probably scream or kind of do something, but he points at the water. And with the small shaft of uh, light going into the cave, you guys can, um, the players will be able to see kind of um, dark shadows or masses in the water. And you start to see these like sickly, uh, well, not sickly, but like these like deep shades of like purple or um, silver or gray. You start to see these figures start to rise out of the water um, with very like damp kind of clothing, some with like bone necklaces. Some with kind of spears or, or kind of shields with just like this goop dropping from the shields. Like the scariest is they just have these expressionless uh, fish heads. They're, they're humanoid and they're walking, but they just have these fish heads. And you see two or three of them uh, come out of the water and kind of head towards this, uh, this boy. As you see a couple, I think they're called Koatoa. Sounds good to me. <laughs> these basically ha- uh, fish people... They have arms and legs, but they have uh, fish heads. They uh, come out of the water, and they're heading towards the boy. And so the the encounter that now the players have in front of them is: there's this boy out on in, on this island. These monsters are trying to get him, and you're trying to save the boy. And so it becomes kind of a a time sensitive. Oh, my, like oh my goodness! Either like we need to try to like ranged, like we need like throw rocks or torches or ranged weapons. Like we need to try to attack. These things from afar or we need to try to get it to that island as soon as possible so we can stop them from getting the the boy and then i get obsessive about stuff so i start to think like okay after so many rounds you know maybe the sun just is starting to hit the hill so then light starts to change again after so many rounds like something happens with the you know with the boy maybe they start to drag the boy into the water and if the boy gets fully submerged then you only have a certain amount of time before the before the kid drowns there could be uh uh, and then there's other stuff where the the kuatoa don't like fire i'm actually making that up right now i don't know if that's actually the case canon but uh (laughs) but i would probably reward the players if they wanted to like throw their torches at the kuatoa that would probably make them retreat you know a little bit and give them some more time Mm -hmm. and then uh, and then yeah and then obviously at any time i always have to think like okay which of these players is going to try to do something non-combat related (laughs) <laughs> and so right. then I think like, okay, well there's probably no language similarities between the Koatoa and these players. Um, but if they want to, like maybe I'll think of like one or two bullet points, like, ooh, do they, you know, do they have a secondary objective? And is there actually any way that the players could convince them? And then I'll just maybe kind of in my head, I'll have an answer to that. Like, could they resolve this non-combat wise or is this monster just not intelligent enough really even for it to to get that far, and really it's just a combat or not um so yeah the the Toa, they are uh, they have a challenge rating associated with them, so it's it's a little bit easier to kind of match them up against players so they have a challenge rating of one fourth and so a total of maybe three or four of them up against the players um will uh, with the kind of the time sensitive nature of it um I think it'll give them a good um a good challenge well dang. <laughs>
0: I, that's really cool uh my my strategy is just uh let's flip through the book and find some monsters for him to find <laughs> <laughs> so that is like like that's like beyond next level that's like three or four levels ahead of me but that's like super interesting I love the way you uh I love the way you described all of the kuotoa with like the the goopy shields and the the spears and the bone necklaces and their faces and stuff like that. That all makes the, that gives like tension to the situation, and it also uh, makes it clear. Like those little details make the the scenario clear in my head, uh, and it yeah like, thing, things like that make it easier for me as a player to make decisions on what to do. Like, um, are they facing me? Can I yell at them to to try to find a way outside of combat to take care of this? Or yeah. You know, exactly. what what can I throw at them and you know stuff like that so. and I
1: think the I always like and this is something that I'm trying to practice with is like because combat combat in D&D can very can very easily it can be very fun it can very easily be tedious as well mm-hmm. and so you know I'm always trying to to include other things and so the thing right now is like okay uh, try to add an element to every f- to most fights that isn't just like the fight itself. And so there's something time urgency, or maybe there's an item in the room that the players are trying to like, not have break (laughs) while they're fighting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like the whole time they're fighting, they're trying to like keep this thing on this table, like not, not be disturbed, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And for this one, I like the, the first encounter in, in lost minds of Fandelver. there's a couple goblins and it's actually a very challenging fight. And so it's it, it kills a lot of players. Mm-hmm. And Lost Minds actually does a good job because it actually prepares for that. It, it tells you if all the players go down, then um, this happens. And it gives you it gives you a kind of a thing. And so it's a cool way for the dungeon master to see like, hey, first of all, that's not necessarily the end. And it just gives more example of creativity. I like this because initially mm-hmm. the Kuo-Toa are not focused on the players. And so the players can potentially take maybe one of them out or damage one or two of them before they change their focus over making the fight a little bit easier. So they're not just like running up to them. And then the Koto are just immediately just attacking them. The shields I love. They're actually one of my favorite parts. It's a random thing with that particular monster, but that monster has an ability where their shields are literally sticky. And so if you try to attack them and they block it, I think you have a chance of like your weapon sticking to the shield. Oh man. And like, you can't grab it off. So that's cool. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Um, and so that's the, I mean, there's hundreds of monsters in official books and in unofficial books that have just really cool, unique, um, features. But, uh, I just like the thought, like maybe one of the players throws a torch at the shield, like it sticks to the shield And the player's like, what just happened? But then due to the nature of it, it also starts to light the shield aflame because it's stuck to the shield. So that's just my brain. That's my brain going wild. Um, We've we've taken a ton of time up on the episode. Um, But that is our kind of our level one. That's my level one encounter. um, And kind of a hook that I'd like to think that a a character might be intrigued with. And then uh, Brian's got Glick. And I'm super, I'm super kind of excited. I love the kind of the background of Glick. Good, good. Yeah, uh,
0: I think that's a great idea. I, I'm super, super excited for the homebrew corner going forward. I think that's one of the things I'm most excited about is to have this like continuous segment throughout the show where we, where we just like build up D&D and like just talk about my favorite thing, building characters and getting stronger. <laughs> it's my favorite. I love it. Yeah,
1: I like it. Um, okay, guys. Well, thank you for joining us as we as we really get started on this um, other, you know, this passion project of ours, um, and kind of this outlet for us. And I hope that uh, some of the things that we talk about uh, you find entertaining to listen to. Um, any feedback that you guys have, or anything that you guys would uh, would love us to talk about, please uh, shoot us. We'll, we'll have a, we'll have an email that you can send stuff to. Um, you can leave a review. Uh, with anything you'd like, depending on the platform you're on, you can put comments. Um, we will happily take any, any you know, anything that, that you'll have for us. So, and, uh, we'd love
0: to talk about it for you. Ask us questions about character creation. I would love to talk about it.
1: Yeah, please. Any, oh yeah, absolutely. Any, anything that we can be a resource on, especially right now where the community, you know, it'll be a little bit small. I would love nothing more than answer any and all questions that come in about DM stuff. Uh, Brian would be happy to, I'm sure answer anything quite uh player related and both of us have done some DMing and we have different takes on it. And so I think that's going to be really cool. So yeah. yeah. All right guys. Thank um, you everybody. Yeah. Um, this will be going out uh, every other week and yeah, we'll see you next time.